Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Podcast Here. I'm your host, Rachel. This week I talked to Kelly. She is someone that I met on the AT actually really briefly, Um, but I was really inspired by the way she spoke about her anxiety and coping with it on trail and I really related to her story, so I wanted you guys to hear it. Kelly and I, of course, talk about her trail name, but we also talk about being unprepared for the cold on our thru-hikes because we came from the north. We also talk about tents, life after the trail, and overcoming anxiety during your thru-hike. So I'm Kelly, and my trail name is Wicked. I grew up in New Hampshire, and most of my hiking experience has been in the White Mountains, so I've been really lucky to have grown up there. I attended a summer camp growing up for basically my whole life and it's actually in Gorham, New Hampshire, which is an Appalachian Trail trail town. Um, So I've always known that area and that's kind of what I grew up hiking. Um, And then the past kind of like four summers I worked at that camp so I lived on top of the mountain in Gorham where the camp is and basically hiked at least once or twice a week and weeding campers through the white mountains so hiking has always been a pretty big part of my life that's great i'm from freiburg (laughs) which is like next to north conway so i totally yeah like same childhood experience oh yeah um it's awesome yeah it's a great area do you think um that sort of was part of what led you to the at like what what made you decide to sort of jump in and do the whole thing I think the camp had a huge effect on why I wanted to hike the trail because going to I mean just going to a summer camp in general I feel like as a child summer camp is always kind of like a home away from home and that's kind of where you feel most comfortable a lot Mm. of the times so that being in the mountains kind of connected the mountains to like coming home for me so I have always just felt really comfortable and I learned about the Appalachian Trail when I was a lot younger like middle school and I actually so I hiked Mount Madison and a couple other mountains with a camp staff member and a bunch of other campers and he told us we're on the Appalachian Trail right now so I thought you know I hiked the whole Appalachian Trail (laughs) and (laughs) he He told me that we had hiked the Appalachian Trail or part of it, and I just read that as we hiked the whole thing. And so later on at camp, some some other camper, he asked me, oh, what did you hike today? And I said, oh, I hiked the Appalachian Trail. And he just looked at me like, you did not hike the whole Appalachian Trail today. (laughs) And the staff member was just, he was just like, it's fine. She just just misunderstood me. (laughs) You hiked part of it. So I was like why is this such a big deal I don't understand so I started to kind of talk to that staff member about it more and then learn what it was and I just thought it was so cool that people could be in the mountains for that much of an extended period of time Mm. and yeah I never thought that I could really do it but then in college I just was like why not you know and I just I decided to start planning it. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Um, So tell me about, like, before the trail, what were you doing with your life? Before the trail, I was in 
college. So I graduated the December before I started. Um, so I have been in college for the four and a half years kind of before the trail um, studying education. And I did a lot of elementary education internships and and substitute teaching before the trail. So I was always really, really busy with that. Hmm. Um, Dude, and... our lives are so similar. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I changed my major, but I started college to be like elementary education. And part yeah. of it, you know, the involvement with summer camps and stuff. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I want to be a teacher. <laughs> and then I realized like, I don't want to write curriculum ever again. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so hard. It is. It's so it's exhausting. Just... Tedious too. Yeah, yeah. It's like if I could just go to the classroom and like be with the kids and you know, like obviously teach them things, I'd be fine with it. But it's like the writing the curriculum when you already have like the ridiculous standards of every state are already laid out. Why do I have to write it? I don't know. I was just like, yeah, I'm I'm cool with not doing this. (laughs) Oh yeah, I feel like every time someone asks me what I do and I say I'm a teacher, they always have the reaction of, oh my god, I I could never handle being in charge of that many kids it must be so crazy Mm. but being with the kids is my favorite part like I love it yeah that's not the hard part (laughs) writing the curriculum is so hard or writing all the lessons and the units and everything Mm. yeah but yeah I was doing that I was so busy before I came to the trail just all throughout college I did two years at a community college in Concord and then I took the education program there and they told me that all my credits would transfer to the university that I I ended up going to and that it would only take like three maybe four semesters until I graduate and so I wanted to take even more credits at that community college so I could get more for my money because it's obviously a lot Mm. less expensive yeah and then I got to this I got to Plymouth State University mm-hmm. and none of my credits really transferred so I had been overloading my schedule for the first two years oh, and no. then the second two years I had to still overload my schedule just to graduate a semester late so oh. it was definitely very challenging yeah. <laughs> with all the internships and and jobs on top of that so the Appalachian Trail I was it was always kind of like a reward, like, if you just get through this semester, you know, you'll be you'll be done, and oh my then you can hike the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> I was just so looking forward to that. How much time, like, during your last semester did you go on YouTube? I feel like I would just be in a YouTube hole <laughs> of, like, trail videos. <laughs> so much. I watched so much YouTube videos and all the podcasts, and I read so many through hiking memoirs Mm. Um, that was like my biggest thing I would just always be reading books that people had written about either the AT or the PCT and then sometimes random other books about random hikes that would really inspire me Mm. but I loved it (laughs) (laughs) do you think that like having your schedule so overloaded at the time was that like, mentally, what state do you think you got to by the time you graduated? Because I know when I was, like, when so when I was in college, I was an RA. I had an internship every semester. I was work-study, and then I had, like, a part-time job, and I played sports. 
and obviously went Ooh. to school and I did like jazz band and it was just the now that I look back at it it's like what was I doing you know what I mean yeah. like, I was exhausted yeah. all the time I was like rage unhappy and just like I would only eat at night because during the day yeah. I'd be so busy and I just know like my mental health was terrible Oh, yeah. It's so hard to manage your mental health when your schedule is so busy like that and you feel like you have so many responsibilities. Mm. So I feel like I was just so overwhelmed the entire time I was in college. I, you know, I had six classes at all times and then I was in at least two jobs and then the internship on top of that. And it was just so much. And I think that a lot of me, I wouldn't really kind of like deal with what I was feeling I just things would happen and it would really stress me out or really hurt me and I would recognize that but then I would just kind of ignore it Mm -hmm. and and just move on and keep going and I would never slow down and so to me at the time I felt like that's what I was supposed to be doing and that's what made me strong but it was just kind of hardening me and Mm. It didn't, it kind of wore, it wore me down a lot and it led to me feeling like I was really, really burnt out at the end of college. And so it definitely was not healthy and my mental health definitely, definitely struggled a lot with that, with like anxiety. Um, so it was, it was really hard, yeah. which is the Appalachian Trail was that I really wanted to do that so I could kind of break away from that lifestyle and just always go 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 yeah totally so on the trail tell me about like your first day did you you started with someone didn't you yeah I started with Waterboy and we had been dating for a little over three years when we when we started wow Um, (laughs) yeah so up until my first day or I want to say up until two days before we started I was so confident that we could finish the trail or and like make it to Katahdin mm-hmm. and I really understood that it was going to be hard um but I just knew that it was going to be this really big experience and I was going to love it but then two days before we were just saying goodbye to everyone and I had gone down to his house and and picked him up and said goodbye to you know his his parents and then it started to get more real to me that I was about to leave everyone that I had ever known mm-hmm. and it just started to really 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 stress me out um, and then we got to my house and it was the day before we left and I just remember thinking like oh my god this is the last time I'm going to be in my house until I hike you know, 2,100 miles. Yeah. And there's just so much struggle that's going to be in between me and this place again. And who knows what Mm. will happen. Um, And I just felt really, really overwhelmed by how big the trail was at that time. Um, Yeah. I just was really afraid of failure. I think, mm-hmm. and kind of letting everyone that knew I was doing the trail, which is basically everyone I've ever met, <laughs> thanks to social media. Yeah, um, I just didn't want to let anyone down, which is really crazy 
thing to think because even just attempting to hike the AT or any through hike or do anything that scary is really amazing. So um, the first day we got to Amicalola at like three in the afternoon. So we didn't start hiking. We stayed at the shelter at Amicalola, mm-hmm. which I, I forget what it's called. Um, the but one on the approach trail? Yeah. Yeah. It was so cold. We started March 8th, so this is March 7th, I guess, but <laughs> it was so cold. I was so shocked at how cold it was. And Dude, same. New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Being from New Hampshire, I felt so silly because it is so cold yeah. in New Hampshire and in Maine. And I am so used to how cold it can be. And I always am in so many layers. But mm-hmm. I just thought Georgia is in the south, so it's very warm there. Dude, I thought the same exact thing. <laughs> I didn't even bring pants my first week. Oh, no. My mom had to mail them to Neil Gap. And first oh. of all, I felt like an idiot because it's like, yeah. I'm from the cold. I should know that I needed pants. Right? But it's also like, I was coming from February and Maine, and I was thinking like, yeah. it is like negative 20 here right now with 15 feet yes. of snow and it's going to be 35 there I'm going to be warm but I think yeah, I right? also like didn't take into account that like you're outside the whole time like there is no break for your mm-hmm. body like your body has to keep you warm that <laughs> entire time and it's like it's not really physically exhausting but eventually you get to a point where you're like can I just be cold for five minutes or warm for five minutes just yeah. pick one <laughs> Oh, it was so awful. I brought, I luckily brought, I brought leggings, but they weren't very warm. They were just like Under Armour material. So in the cold, I feel like those are just so thin that Mm my, oh my gosh, I was so cold. (laughs) And what kind of like sleeping bag did you have? Was it, was it super warm or did you just have like a 30 degree? (laughs) Yeah, I had a 30 degree quilt from Enlightened, from Enlightened Equipment. Oh no. Yeah, it was so cold. I and Waterboy he had a twenty degree quilt, or no, his Waterboy had a twenty eight degree quilt. So we were both in the same boat, and neither of us brought enough warm clothes. And the first night in the shelter, I was so anxious mm. and just so stressed out and overwhelmed that, on top of the cold, I would not have slept anyways. And I had barely eaten because when I'm that anxious, I lose all my appetite. Yeah, dude, I didn't eat for, like, so, the first month. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. Yeah. And, like, everything that I did try to eat, I would just, like, throw it up. Or mm-hmm. I would, like, see all my food and it would just make you sick. disgust me. Yeah, yeah totally. It was so sad. Oh, my <laughs> god. I was so hungry. And not eating then made me even colder and mm-hmm. more anxious and struggle mentally even more um yeah but I remember at Amicalola I almost left the shelter in the middle of the night to go sleep in the bathrooms there because they're heated Mm -hmm. but I was too scared to walk by myself in the dark even that short of a distance (laughs) so I stayed in the shelter so cold and then the next night we slept on top of Springer Mountain And, again, it was just so cold. But at least we were in our tent, which was a little bit warmer. Mm. And I – because Waterboy's quilt was, like, two degrees warmer, and it was was bigger, too, he switched with me, Mm. which was 
the kindest thing ever because he was also so cold. So I don't, I don't know why he did that, but it was so nice. And then I put, he had a trash bag to line his, um, his pack. Mm-hmm. And we took that out and I, I just like got in the quilt and then I got, put the trash bag over the quilt and over me <laughs> to mm-hmm. sweep in. And I was just so cold and shaking. Yeah. I slept in a trash bag Ooh. at, um, Sassafras Gap in North yeah. Carolina. So I started with a 20 degree Atlanta equipment quilt too. And I didn't mm-hmm. realize that like they were unisex. So they weren't like yeah. rated for women. And I didn't, I, when I first started picking out gear, was like, no, I don't sleep cold. Like, I'm always waking up sweating in the middle of the night. Yeah, I did the same thing. But it's so different when you're outside. Mm-hmm. And then, like, my sleeping pad, I got an insulated Climate Static V, and it was not, like, it was insulated, but it was not, like, yeah. insulated. Like, the <laughs> R value, I think, was, like, two or some shit. Like, it was oh not goodness. warm. And yeah. I ended up getting, like, a big Agnes one, and then it was defective. So I ended up, like, in the long run with two thermorests, and I should have just, like, spent the extra money on the thermorests in the first place, but they're so expensive, and I'd already spent so much on my quilt that I was like, oh, no, it's fine. It was not (laughs) fine. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. When I got to Neil's Gap, I spent way too much money on, (laughs) on new clothes to keep me warm. Yeah. Which... I feel so silly having to do that, but I did not care in the moment, and I still would, you know, obviously spend that money because mm. I was so cold. I bought wool leggings and, uh, like, one of those Patagonia Kathleen quarter zips, mm-hmm. and I bought gloves because the only gloves I brought were just waterproof liners. Yeah, that's what I keep- did. <laughs> yeah, because I thought, oh, I'd be hiking, I don't want gloves but I didn't realize that in camp I would be so cold still mm-hmm. obviously so I bought those and luckily though there was a trail magic where this pastor came to I think it was Sassafras Gap actually and he knitted hats or him and his wife knitted hats for all the through hikers wow. and they had this huge box of really beautiful knitted hats and they all had these white blazes on the front and they're so cute and I wear it all the time I love it so much that is the sweetest trail magic I have ever heard that's amazing it was honestly my favorite and it was the day after we left Neil's Gap and it was so awesome I I remember walking because that was our first real trail magic mm-hmm. of the whole of the whole trail and we were walking down the little hill and we were just obviously so tired and it was our biggest day yet and I remember seeing this huge table full of little Debbie snacks and real chairs and hot chocolate <laughs> and we both sp- started sprinting down the mountain <laughs> we're like no way this is the best thing ever and we knew that trail magic was going to be awesome but we didn't know just how happy it would end up making us yeah it was amazing tell me about you had a tramley right I kind of like bounced in between yeah different groups of people which so I, I got to meet a lot of people which was really nice but we we met 
like the first month and a half we hiked with the same group of people mm-hmm. and then I hiked with another couple for a long time after um we met in hold on sorry I'm trying to think <laughs> <laughs> so I hiked with we hiked with one group we met like on day four or five and we hiked with them for the first month and a half and we got to Damascus Virginia and we had met this other couple right before Franklin and they're really nice and we um, hiked with them from Damascus for a really long time I don't even know when I stopped hiking with them but (laughs) they were Red Hawk and Cribbage oh I met them yeah so we yeah we started hiking together in Damascus and then hiked for a really long time and we got to Damascus because of our start date a lot sooner than trail days mm-hmm. so we we hiked just shy of the Shenandoahs I believe and and then drove back in a rental car and so we hiked a long time with them what was, was trail really days like for you I didn't go oh trail days was really fun I Obviously, had heard a lot about it because of just everyone on trail yeah. before trail days was like, are you going? Are you going? Are you going? <laughs> and I had never been to anything like this. And so we were so excited because it was kind of like a break and we rented an Airbnb mm. near it, which was so amazing because it was just like a mini vacation. Yeah. And I remember getting off the trail and... That's actually, this is where I met you, was at the Glasgow shelter with that, like, big dinosaur. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we had rented a car, and when we got in that car, it was just so amazing because we, like, drove to Walmart, and then we went to a thrift store and bought a bunch of, like, real clothes and got to our Airbnb and showered. So it was, like, I felt like a real person. Yeah. Um, But just being around all those people from the trail community it was so amazing and it was just so so fun and I feel like I can't even describe it like on the trail it's amazing because of the community and all these people that you meet and at trail days so many of those people are together Mm -hmm. so it's just this really really amazing um little weekend and kind of break from the trail and there was a ton of food and I got some new some new equipment or I had one I had one some new hiking poles which was very fun that's awesome (laughs) I loved all the going to all these raffles and like I never won except for one time I did win and it was awesome (laughs) and then at night everyone just like went into the woods and just danced a lot we were in one tent the first night. All four of us, me, Waterboy, <laughs> Cribbage, and Red Hawk were in Cribbage and Red Hawk's two-person tent. Oh my gosh! We were, we were watching John Mulaney, and it was really funny and it was fun. But all of a sudden, we heard this really loud music start, and then everyone just started screaming. And we were in the big field where all the tents were and then all of a sudden some 
group of people came from the woods with this huge speaker and it was like a huge conga line and they had just grabbed everyone not grabbed everyone from their tents but everyone came out and with like all this curiosity and just joined this conga line and we were like okay well I guess we'll just (laughs) join them and (laughs) it was like pitch black no one had flashlights and I everyone was just like tripping and this like river over and over again it was just a mess but it was really fun that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) so you guys did you guys share a tent the entire trail or did you carry your own not Um, obviously not all four of you but like you know you and water boy uh, they they had their own tent (laughs) Uh. (laughs) um well yeah we started with a um we started with a big Agnes Copper Spur two-person tent, which is a really awesome tent. I love it so much. It's so easy to set up, and there's so much room for two people even. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, two really big vestibules. So that was a really nice tent. Um, and then at some point, I got a Fly Creek from Big Agnes one-person tent. Mm-hmm. Um, so we weren't together the whole the whole trip. And so at that point, I did get a one-person Fly Creek, which I love Big Agnes, and they have great tents, but this tent was so hard to set up. It took me 30 minutes the first time to set it up, and I had someone helping me. Wow. It was so hard. (laughs) I think that I was just, like, so tired that it didn't make any sense to me, I hope, but (laughs) I don't know. I just got their tiger wall, and so I I started with a one-person copper spur, and it was just too I don't know I felt like it was too small um yeah and my sleeping bag kept touching the side and got wet and I the first night it flooded because I think the rainfly was crooked and every time I set it up it was crooked I was like this isn't me this is the tent I think yeah so I ended Mm -hmm. up selling it on Facebook to someone because I couldn't return it (laughs) yeah and the like only thing I really only had, like, $200 to get a new tent, mm-hmm. and my friend told me, like, get a get a Six Moons Lunar Solo, like, if you can't afford Cuban fiber, but you don't want another three-piece tent. So I got yeah. this, like, it's kind of like a nicer tarp tent, basically. It's still still nylon, but you use your trekking pole and, like, tent stakes instead of yeah. actual poles. So... Obviously, the first time I set it up was a disaster and, <laughs> you know, whatever, like, because it's so different and I'm so, I wasn't practiced with tents to begin with because I'm just a yeah. clown. Um, <laughs> but one of my friends that had, like, a Z-Pax tent taught me how to set it up and I just got used to it. So when I got this three-piece tent, you know, it's not, it's just not the same. Like, it's just a totally different way to set things up. It's not as, to me, it's not as fast, maybe because I'm not as practiced, but, like, there's yeah. just more components. Like, with a trekking pole tent, you put the pole in, you put in your stakes, you tighten each stake, and that's it. And with the three-piece tents, you have to, like, set up the pole, you have to, like, clip everything yeah. in, you have to put the rain fly on, then you have to stake it. And they take so long. It seems, yeah, to me, I feel like they take way longer. And I also think that, like, in the wind, the trekking pole tents are way stronger. Like, oh, really? Drastically. So, I had obviously made it like almost the entire trail from Fontana to the end with that trekking pole tent. And oh, I never, awesome. 
ever had a problem with wind. Even, like, I camped on open ridges, and it was never a problem. Like, you could hear it, but I knew that right. it was sturdy. And because, like, it's just the way that it is set up, it's, like, downward pressure on the pole, the way that the stakes sort of pull on it, you know? So it's all, like... Right, yeah. It's sturdier, I think. <laughs> and, I mean, mine wasn't that great in the rain because it was still nylon, but other than that, it was great. And then yeah. this weekend, this past weekend, I went to Georgia to, like, revisit the trail for my, like, oh, awesome. anniversary, which was great. It was raining, and I brought this tiger wall to test it out, and I didn't bring my other tent because I wasn't really... I didn't think yeah. I'd need it. And the third or the second night I was like going to stay at Woods Hole Shelter right before Blood Mountain and I got there and realized that the trail was like half a mile to the shelter and I'd already done like 22 miles so I was like no devastating yeah I really and it was pouring and I knew my tent was wet but I just I knew I was going home the next day, so I was like, whatever, I'm just going to set up my tent. I'd rather not. Yeah. And I knew that you could hear people at the shelter. And I was like, oh, there's yeah. got to be a lot of people. So I, like, set up this tent not thinking that I was pretty much on an open ridge. Mm-hmm. And, oh. like, five hours into the night, my tent just blew over on me. And oh my God. I'd put rocks on every <laughs> single stake. And it still blew – because I knew it was muddy, like, maybe the, you know, stake – and the thing is, like, the tent stakes that come with the Big Agnes tents are awful. Yeah, they they bend really easily, I've found. I don't think that they, like – so I like the ones with the little hook on the end because it holds – the whatever you're staking it holds the loop you're staking you know whereas the ones that they give you have that little notch but i don't think that that's enough like in the rain that comes right off so yeah i just think that like i don't know if you're gonna get one of those tents you should just not bring those tent stakes (laughs) yeah (laughs) so two of the stakes on one side just apparently came out and it blew right over on me and those tents if it's not staked, it just turns into, a, like, a sailboat, like a kite. Like, it's yeah. going. And it doesn't work. <laughs> I had never experienced that before. <laughs> so That's I was so just, awful. like, I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of an experienced hiker now, but I guess not. And I'm just, like, <laughs> running across this ridge in the dark in the pouring rain, like, trying oh, to grab no. my tent that has all of my shit in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it was tired. Oh, my God. You just so hiked tired. 22 miles. <laughs> I was so stiff. I, I was like limping after. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's awful. I've heard a lot of stories about people like that, and I just feel so lucky because <laughs> the tent that I had, honestly, it was so like I we never really had any problems with that copper spur. We got it used on a Gear Trade website, mm-hmm. and so we bought a brand new one from EMS. In North Conway, actually. And it, we were so excited that we went to, work there. to the... Really? Yeah. Oh, it's a really, It's a really nice one. I go there all the time in the summers. <laughs> we were so excited when we got it. We went to the little town green in North Conway mm-hmm. and set it up. And we timed ourselves, actually. And it took us, like, eight or nine minutes to set up this tent. <laughs> and the Copper Spur is very well color coordinated at least the two-person one is and Mm -hmm. so it's really funny to think about how long it took us to set that up 
But <laughs> we had found one a week later for at least $150 cheaper online. And so we ended up returning the brand new one mm-hmm. and buying that used one. And it was such a good tent. It didn't have any wear in it. He, The person selling it must have only used it like once or twice. And there was like a little tiny hole on the bottom floor. It looked like there was a cigarette burn on it, but we just put tape over it and it was fine. Yeah. And then at one point, our tent actually flooded, though. And this was the only time it had any problems. And I think it was just because the waterproofing had worn off Mm -hmm. on the seams. And so it was pouring rain this night. And we were so tired. It was like 8 o'clock or something. (laughs) I mean, it (laughs) it was probably later than that because it was very, very dark. We were just so tired. And I was like half asleep. And I could feel rain, like, sprinkling on my face. And I just thought that maybe it was coming off of, like, moisture from the side in the vestibule or something. Mm -hmm. And then Waterboy, like, hit me and was like, do you feel that? I was like, yeah. And my heart just sank when he said Uh... that because I knew it was not in my mind. And it was so sad. I had had a Thermarest, one of the neo airs the really crinkly (laughs) yellow ones and so it floats really well so i didn't even notice that under the tent there was about two inches of water that happened to me once oh my god yeah just floating oh (laughs) we just we picked an awful spot to tent and it was just like right on the side of the trail (laughs) and it was like a little ditch and (laughs) both of our neo airs were like floating and the parts of our quilts that were off of the new airs were just like soaking wet. Mm-hmm. And I was so tired that I was like, I'm just going to like balance on this new air all night. Like, it's fine. And he was like, no, we cannot do this. That would be me. Um, yeah. <laughs> it would just be we're laying there all night. So cold, so wet, and just like die of hypothermia. So we have to move this tent. And I put on my. We had, like, it was pouring rain, and we had already changed into our, like, night clothes, and we didn't want to get those wet, mm. and then all of our clothes were outside, and so we had to, like, just take off all of our night clothes, and I just, like, put on my rain gear, and then we moved it out of the ditch, but the seams were still not waterproof, so I just, like, threw my rain gear on top of the tent and just prayed that it would it would keep us dry until we could waterproof our tent again and it worked so what it worked that was good oh my god i just like opened it up spread it all on top and thank god wow thank god it worked i just when i'm tired (laughs) i am like such a hot mess Mm -hmm. because i will just be like i'll just deal with this this is future kelly's problem (laughs) but on the trail you really should not have that mindset because then the future you will have like four more problems yeah. on top of that. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. you really have to deal with what you're going through right at that moment or That's else so true. <laughs> life can get way harder. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Do you think like mentally you got stronger on trail? Definitely. I, a lot of the times on the trail, I felt like I was really like really weak mentally and that I, like, 
I just didn't really have much self-confidence and Mm -hmm. especially myself like mentally I thought that I was really weak especially for having to like deal with mental health issues Mm -hmm. but as the trail went on I realized that I was actually just really strong for being able to cope with mental health issues while still doing this amazing feat of of hiking and through hiking yeah yeah so I think that a lot of me especially on trail like I've always been really hard on myself Mm -hmm. and the way that I've dealt with my mental health was just kind of like not dealing with it and staying really busy Mm -hmm. (laughs) through college and just pretending that that was making me stronger yeah when it wasn't so on the trail I really learned to not do that and to kind of embrace what I was feeling and embrace all the anxiety and mm-hmm. embrace every time I felt just so low and it really showed me that you know I feel so awful but I'm still so strong for doing all of this in spite of that or mm-hmm. maybe even because of it in, in some ways so I really think that even though I felt not strong at all a lot of the times looking back at it now it's given me a lot more confidence and I feel a lot stronger yeah totally I think I had like a very similar experience I remember when I first started really into like I think Pennsylvania I was having at least three mental breakdowns a week and oh yeah <laughs> to me it was like I'm a disaster for having this problem and Miles wasn't having that problem so why was I having that problem but like Miles also doesn't have clinical depression and generalized anxiety Mm -hmm. you know yeah and I it's a whole different ballgame it is it really is especially after like I had a very similar college experience with like the craziness and the like I didn't confront anything as far as mental health goes and then Basically, before trail, I I was on medication until, like, a month before trail. And by that time, it was, like, my fifth SSRI, so I was, like, I don't want to take this anymore. And the side effects – I had side effects from every single one, so it was, like, Mm -hmm. the last thing I want to do is take this on trail, you know, with side effects. And you don't know how those side effects will change on trail and just having to manage that on top of everything else. And take it and get the prescription filled and just – Yeah, that's a lot. I was not about that. And I also Mm -hmm. had kind of come to the conclusion that, like, medication hadn't helped me this far, so maybe it's not the answer. Yeah. So – But, like, coming off of that, you're really, like, your mental patterns are affected for at least two months. Mm -hmm. So the first two months on trail was just, like, coming off of medication, realizing that I had feelings, and then... Oh, wow, yeah. Like, feeling them. so hard. Yeah. And I don't think I ever just let myself feel something before. Like, before trail I would always like every time I cried I'd be like why are you crying you should be crying like crying's not okay and it's like you need to cry why aren't you what why aren't you letting yourself cry that's absurd (laughs) oh my goodness I feel the same way like every time I would have any sort of negative feeling I would just you know I would recognize it but then I would just tell myself you know why are you letting yourself feel this way you shouldn't let yourself feel this way. You mm-hmm. should just, you know, 
be happy or so weak for being anxious or being depressed or, you know, struggling mentally. And when you can just turn it off, which is so not not true. true. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah, it's, it's just an, it was just an awful mindset that I had. And I also had just, I never let myself feel anything because I was scared of it. And I didn't, I didn't like how it made me feel and it made me Mm -hmm. feel weak. And it's hard to work through that stuff. Yeah. And on the trail, I really realized that it was very hard to hide what I was feeling, even for myself on the trail. Mm -hmm. And so I I just got to a point where I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like, this is too hard. and It's not healthy. And I'm just going to be a mess. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to let myself, I just let myself be a mess. And it was really hard at a lot of points, but I think that I needed it mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. And at some points, you know, being a complete mess can be really hard. But looking back at it now, now I'm kind of like balancing out, feeling everything all at once and not feeling anything at all mm-hmm. to kind of being in the middle of dealing with what I'm feeling in healthy ways yeah what do you do you think you like learned um do you think you learned some kind of coping mechanisms on trail like I think I learned how to cope a lot better but it wasn't because like yeah someone else told me or someone taught me it was just like by forcing yourself to work through your feelings you learn what works for you oh yeah definitely I think that just reminding myself when I'm feeling particularly anxious just reminding myself that me working through these feelings is not a bad thing yeah and being able to live my life and doing what I need to do while still feeling these feelings is making me so much stronger and I just kind of remind myself that it doesn't make me weak Mm -hmm. and it makes me a person and I'm human dealing with regular human problems Mm -hmm. and you know it's just it's not something to be afraid of so now I kind of deal with my problems right away Mm -hmm. and like figure out okay why am I why am I anxious or what is the underlying reason that this situation is stressing me out and overwhelming me to the point where I feel like I'm going to break Mm -hmm. because a lot of the times I'll feel anxious about something or a situation and I don't understand why Mm -hmm. and so I just push it away and I don't want to deal with it but now I'll look at a situation and think to myself you know well what about this situation is making you anxious or what can you change yeah. Right now. And what can you not change about this? And and recognizing what I can change is really powerful to me mm. because I'm actually doing something about it and doing something about it makes me feel a lot stronger because I remember that I I, you know, I am strong enough to deal with all this. Yeah, yeah, totally. 
I think before trail, I, so I was, like, diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder in high school, which honestly is, like, a bullshit umbrella term, and I really think (laughs) that, like, and, you know, they just, like, diagnose you with that and give you, like, Lexapro, and they say I mean, even the word generalized. Yeah, it's general. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. (laughs) What is that? Right? Yeah. So, I finally, on trail... I don't know, I just always thought before that, like, I guess, like, all through college and stuff, I just thought, you know, I just have generalized anxiety disorder, like, I'm just, I'm just anxious, there's not a reason I'm anxious, it's just how I am, and when I realized on trail that there's, like, totally a reason for being anxious and that you can, like, if someone had taught me to look for why I was anxious and told me that, you know, you could have solved so many times when I was just, like, under a lot of stress, Mm -hmm. and I was, first of all, shocked and awed when I sort (laughs) of, like, came to that conclusion that you can decide not to be anxious, or, like, you might still be anxious, but you can fix some part of it. Yeah, exactly. That was such a breakthrough. Yeah. I think before the trail, I knew that I would have to be the one to help myself mm-hmm. feel better. Yes. But I just felt that it was supposed to be easy. Like, I could just, like, snap my fingers and not be anxious anymore. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that I had to, you know, sorry, I have hiccups. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that there were all these reasons that I was hiding from myself about why I was struggling mentally. Totally. And... So, you know, the trail definitely helped me with that. I think, you know, when I started the trail, I was so overwhelmed with failure and letting people down mm-hmm. and not living up to all all of these expectations I had set and, and other people had set that I, I felt like I was about to just, like, break. And mm-hmm. I lost sight of, you know, why I was coming out there and, and why I wanted to hike. And it made me feel just so anxious and I didn't know why and that was the first time I had to figure out you know why is this making you so anxious yeah and how I realized that was just meeting all these people you know I met these these great people the first week and a half of trail and just hiking with hiking with this community and and feeling a part of a part of that it made me kind of forget all the thoughts of failure and the negative the external expectations yeah yeah all those all those negative thoughts and then I realized oh wow there was a huge reason why I was so anxious the past couple weeks and I let myself be my I you know I let myself kind of relax and be myself around a huge group of people and that helped me so much and I realized that I was actually helping myself be stronger getting over my anxieties and that was like the first time I was like wow I'm really strong for that like I I stuck with it and I found something that that worked and that was really empowering yeah that's an it's such an incredible feeling to realize that you like belong to that community yeah. And it's also, I oh think, gosh. is it, I think it's like a combination of feeling, first of all, like validated in a community, but I think it's also the fact that you just have 
the time to be with your thoughts and actually confront them because if you don't you're out here with no cell service in the woods you're sometimes by yourself like when you're walking or you're at Mm -hmm. least alone with your thoughts and that is just not something we have like there is always something to distract you in the first world you know what I mean like I could always pull up Netflix I could always go on social media I can always just Mm -hmm. go somewhere else you know what I mean and I think like, so true. the combination of the the people and the the time and silence forces you to yeah. deal with it. And that was something that I think was like a real virtue from the trail. Yeah, I totally agree. I during the days I would most of the time I would be hiking by myself, mm-hmm. um, even if I would be meeting up with friends or just the group I was hiking with at, at night um, during the day mostly I was by myself and just slowing down my life to where I was just I could have that space to just really figure out myself was just so powerful for my life Mm -hmm. and I would have never had that experience in the real in the real world because everything is so fast-paced I'm always moving I you know we, we have so many responsibilities in the real world and on the trail your only real responsibilities is making sure you're safe you have enough water you have enough food and you know you're not physically harming your body with mm-hmm. the amount of just like exertion that we're doing right so it was so freeing in that aspect that you know I could have this space for myself and I really learned how to be selfish in yeah. a lot on this trail. And it's something that I realized that I am the opposite of selfish. Like, I will give everything that I have to other people, especially if, you know, I, I really love them. Mm-hmm. I'll do I'll do anything for that. And I had always had this mindset that that was so important. And, you know, one of the biggest things that made me me and I thought that I should never change that Mm -hmm. but then on the trail when I had all this time to really think about how much that that has worn me out and like destroyed parts of me it felt like Mm -hmm. and learning how to just do whatever I wanted and be whoever I wanted was that's a really freeing thing I think especially for you know people that are teachers or work in similar fields yeah yeah social work all of that you know we give so much of ourselves to other people and coming out of four and a half years of learning how to do that Mm. (laughs) learning how to give all of myself to you know 20 little children all day (laughs) long (laughs) and then having all this time it was so awesome yeah it was very freeing that's great I relate to you so much about the (laughs) mental health stuff because I think we went through, like, very similar, like, experiences pre-trail and the, like, I don't know, everything you said about feeling empowered, that's just so exactly how I feel. Like, I had never felt that way before trail, and that's so, so true. Yeah, Um, it is really. Before we go, though, Mm -hmm. um, I need you to tell me your trail name story. How'd you get your trail name? My trail name. Um, yeah, so my trail name is Wicked, and I am from New Hampshire, 
where we say wicked all <laughs> yes. the time in New England. And so <laughs> the first group of people I met, they, a lot of them are, none of them are from New England. And a lot of them, I think, are from the South. And so I just said wicked a lot and like, oh, this is wicked good. Um, or, you know, mm-hmm. wow, that, yeah. yeah. And so... <laughs> Um, I would just always say it, and I, one of my friends, he just was like, that's your trail name, Wicked, (laughs) and I was like, because I think that everyone else already had trail names, too, and so they were trying to think of one for me, and I had, I would just always said Wicked, and he noticed that, and so he just told me, you know, your name is Wicked, and then it kind of sounds sounds a little badass it does when uh, yeah (laughs) and so we both noticed that and that was pretty awesome and everyone would always like when I introduced myself like oh my name's wicked and all the like it was always like the middle-aged white dudes that would be like oh wicked like why are you so bad (laughs) okay all right (laughs) gotta go (laughs) that's so So funny yeah it's just because i say the word a lot that's great post-trail depression do you think that it like affected you a lot um not at all (laughs) yeah i think that after the trail i was like really done with the whole because it was just so hard for me on trail like i was going through so much Mm -hmm. that being off the trail i really welcomed that and i was so excited And I got a job as a kindergarten prep teacher right away. So that really helped me, um, obviously, with just, like, feeling purpose and (laughs) feeling like I mattered because I have 18 kids every day who think the world of me. So Mm -hmm. that was really nice. Um, But I think recently I have definitely been feeling the post-trail depression. It, It was just kind of, like, pushed off, and now I'm seeing all these posts about people starting the trail and I just really wish that I could be starting the trail also Mm -hmm. and I just I'm like wow I really miss like the first few months of the trail you know just learning everything and kind of like in a weird way I like miss feeling like I'm messing up my life by making all these mistakes (laughs) but I was just like growing so much and learning how to live in the moment and I really miss just that Mm -hmm brutality of the trail (laughs) which I thought that it would take me a few years to miss through hiking but I thought the same thing yeah now I'm like seeing all these posts and I'm like it was really hard both like physically I dealt with a lot of like tendonitis in my feet Mm. and like mentally it was really hard but yeah I get the post-trail depression the past like month or month and a half <laughs> late onset post-trail depression yeah <laughs> do you awful. think um like you'll ever hike again even just like a section hike somewhere or something I think so I mean I learned so much about myself and like I learned how to stick up for myself and you know do what I want to do and and I learned how Uh, much like I needed to rely on myself and Mm -hmm. I didn't want anyone else to rely on me because I didn't feel like I could give anything back to that um and so I like really enjoy feeling that feeling yeah and like 
it's an accomplishment to get there mentally. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like through hiking is just such a physical like way of of having that experience and just like learning even more on how to rely on yourself and just like feeling so empowered by like everything you do like wow I was so tired and I felt so depressed but like I went and I got my own water and I cooked my own meal and I set up my tent and now I can go to bed happy because (laughs) I'm strong and I hiked 20 miles today and it was it's just an amazing feeling and I love the community and I miss it so much so Mm. I think I definitely will do long hikes in the future I don't know how long those hikes will be if you know the long trail in Vermont is a few hundred miles or the PCT which is 2600 miles so who knows <laughs> I so want to like do the PCT in like 800 mile sections or something like that yeah. is oh, my that'd be awesome. next dream <laughs> yeah I like I just don't know like it's so different from New Hampshire like I oh, grew yeah. up in the White Mountains and like so even <laughs> even the southern Appalachians like I was so confused when I got there because there were fields and trees, like full trees on top of mountains. Like, yeah, that was the most confusing thing to me. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't even know, like, out west, what the mountains are even like. Oh like, God, I've never yeah. been there. And like walking through the desert. I've never I, been like, to a desert. Me either. And I like <laughs> passed out in the heat, like on the trail, on the AT, I had to like dunk my head in rivers all the time because... I would get so overheated. Oh, man. So the desert seems... You should just, like, southbound like the first half of the, of the, like, the northern half of the PCT. You should just southbound it. And then oh, yeah, that would be a good idea. When you get to the desert, just be like, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. <laughs> oh, I'll man. get a support van or something. Yeah. Yeah, when I got to Georgia, I was, like, very confused that they had wild rhododendrons because... Yeah, like, what? <laughs> yeah, because, like, in New England, they're hedges. They're not... yeah. Yeah, and They're I was like, wild. why are these just in the woods? Did someone plant these here? I would always think, like, I would always see them. I would see the rhododendrons, and I'd be like, oh, my God, we're close to town. Yeah, like, that's what I – Where's the road? <laughs> like, are we are we about to walk through a town right now? Like, where's where's uh... the Dairy Queen? Like, I'm so excited. That's and it was just so like, funny. no, we're in the wild. That's so funny. Yeah, I never knew – I guess because, like in New England, you don't, we don't, obviously, we don't see them. Wild. Yeah. I had no <laughs> idea. And then when I went back this past weekend, it was like, um, I don't know. There's such a hallmark of the southern part of the trail that it was just like coming home, yeah. you know, and it was really yeah. nice. <laughs> oh my gosh, I bet. That's so funny. Wow. I thought I was the only one who thought that because I told my friends that oh. and they all thought I was weird, but they were all from, you know, the south too. So, like, they yeah, see them. Yeah, it was them. like normal for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, so funny. funny. Like, I'd, I'd be hiking with all these people who are, like, from, like, North Carolina and, like, Tennessee and stuff. And I'd be like, why are we walking through a field right now? Like, like I thought we were, we, we have been just hiking for, like, a few thousand feet, like, straight. I'm so confused why we're in grass. Yeah. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so I'd always just be like, wait till you get to New Hampshire. You will understand. Like, New Hampshire is great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like, we'd be rock climbing right now. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. I really appreciate you opening up about, it, like, your mental aspects of it. Because I think a lot of people, 
are either afraid of it or overlook it or just have like no idea yeah definitely and it's so if I feel like if I heard these things before I left I might have been more open to changing like way earlier in my trip you know yeah definitely I totally agree so I think that like through my life I've just been so against talking about what I'm feeling and like my mental health and after the trail like I learned how to like talk about it with you know friends I met on the trail Mm -hmm. and just like being so comfortable with it and I totally am all for talking about my mental health now like I just want to it feels like empowering like I'm kind of like sticking up for myself yeah you don't have to hide it anymore (laughs) yeah it feels so freeing yeah it's great yeah it was great to like actually have a real conversation with you yeah thanks for like (laughs) thanks for having me yeah thank you If there's one thing you take away from this episode, I hope it's that you can overcome your anxiety through the trail and that you are strong for through hiking while coping with something so hard like anxiety or depression or if you're doing the trail to leave your addictions behind, anything. Even if you start the trail to run away from something like I did, you'll still find answers. You'll still find solutions. And it's not the trail necessarily that brings them to you, but yourself. And by hiking and pushing yourself and proving to yourself that you can do this, that is what brings those answers to you. Walking through your thoughts. The trail is really just the vehicle for it. But there is that saying the trail provides, and I full-heartedly believe that saying. And I think that even after the trail, the trail does provide. And if you can come into that mindset, your life will seriously change. And now, a word about social media and our sponsors. If you want to follow me, the podcast, my blog, and everything else I do, you can find me at Trail Name Here on Instagram or Facebook.com slash Trail Name Here. You can also find me at TrailNameHere.com. You can find Kelly on Instagram at Kelly underscore Gui, Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y underscore G-U-I. Podcasting isn't cheap, y'all. I'll be real, I'm going to spend over $200 on this podcast this year, but I love doing it. If you love the content as much as I love doing it, I hope you'll subscribe to my Patreon for just $5 a month. You can get bonus extras from podcast episodes and excerpts from my forthcoming book about the trail. If you don't want to contribute to Patreon monthly, you can just donate one time to my PayPal. You can find it on trailnamehere.com, the contact and about page, scroll down to the bottom and click donate. Or you can find it at paypal.me slash trailname here. It's seriously helpful, y'all. Every dollar counts. No fees will be taken because it's through PayPal friends and family. And all donations are only used for the podcast or through hiking expeditions. This episode is sponsored by Freiburg Motors, Mount Washington Valley's number one choice for European automotive sales and service. You can find them at 299 Main Street in Freiburg, Maine, or you can find them at FreibergMotors.com. Follow them on Facebook to get their latest inventory and deals straight to your newsfeed. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Seriously, I love making this podcast, and I'm so glad you're here. I hope these stories inspire and motivate you to get outside and 
as usual, I'll see you next week.